I found that there was this small association actually based in Switzerland, North Korean Friendship Association. (laughs) (laughs) So I reached out to them and I was like very honest, like I would like to develop my own idea of the place and see it. And that's always, always something that I would try to do in my life is like before believing the stories that people tell me, try to gather evidence from both sides and develop my own impression. That's Christian Almanar, founder of Intrinsic, recently acquired by VMware. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. Christian, along with three co-founders, founded Intrinsic as a way to bring complex, military-grade security systems to the general public. It was the result of years of academic research in programming languages and system security at Stanford University. I've known Christian for a few years now and have always appreciated his philosophical point of view because he understands the importance of collective intelligence. Collective intelligence is the idea that we are stronger together, which can seem like a foreign idea in such a competitive world. But most founders know that in order to survive and thrive, you have to share. Share ideas, share reasoning, share concerns. That's the only way to know when to step forward, when to fall back, and it's the only way to make a good idea great. A while back, we sat down to talk about leadership, life, and what it takes to start a company. I asked if he knew when he was a little kid growing up in Spain that his big out there ideas would someday be his job. And here's what he had to say. I definitely wanted to start a company. I always was very curious about business and creating products and selling things. I'm the youngest of six, so I was always selling things to my brothers and sisters <laughs> or like helping them out and trying to make a little bit of money here and there. Security was always interesting because I, I I was always interested in computers and maybe a little bit more in electronics when I was a kid. And I always try to find how to trick the computer or the machines so that I could get them to do things that they weren't supposed to. You know, when I was 12 years old, I think we managed to like figure out online how to trick this satellite receiver that we had at home you had to pay to watch the soccer games. And I managed to like learn how to create a microchip that they would install in the receiver, and we managed to then see the games for free. And did you do this all on your own, or did your older siblings, did they have interest in computers, electronics, and entrepreneurship? Well, my brother, he was studying economics, and he brought a old 286 computer. And I just got to start playing with it and, and learning how to install games and get games to run on it. And then the first person that had the internet was somebody in my apartment building where my parents live. He showed me how to work, and suddenly I got to, like, I think Google didn't even exist back then, uh, or maybe it was just getting started. And then it was like, oh, wow, I can access all this information. It's kind of like a magical experience to be growing up in a city in Spain and suddenly being exposed to the world's information and being able to learn everything, even though you were a kid. And the only thing, the only sources of information were school and maybe the library. So that was super fun. What is it that made you take the leap from knowing that you wanted to be a founder and actually doing it? Since I was a kid, I always felt like, you know, if you had an idea, regardless if it was starting a company or going on a trip or trying to meet somebody that you liked, you always had to just do it, right? And just try it. If it didn't work, it doesn't really matter. You know, once you try a few times and 
few times works, few times doesn't, and you realize that it's actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Either so, way, either way. Anyway. So then that's kind of like that. I realize, you know, every time you have an idea or a dream or a passion, you just should try it out because you don't want to be old, about to die, and looking back and be like, oh, I wish I would have tried this thing out. I wish. Wonder what happened. Christian is always willing to take a chance on something new, and he's not short of examples. After moving to the U.S., he went to Burning Man. Well, apparently it inspired him to start a sort of cultural exchange program between the U.S. and Spain. Oh, here, <laughs> Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, so I was always like, as a kid, another of my passions was always building things kind of artistically and then building puppets and ultimately setting them on fire. <laughs> So it was always a passion of me. Like we have this very old festival in in my hometown in Spain, Valencia, that's been happening for over 300 years. Where it's uh, probably the largest fire art festival in the world, and the people build a lot of massive structures all over the city. And to welcome the spring, they set them on fire. And those structures normally represent the the negative things that happened the year before. So it has kind of satiric component. And it's beautiful because it brings all the neighbors together and, and it kind of paralyzes the city for a week, but it's a really beautiful experience. So when I moved to San Francisco and a friend of mine from Boston convinced me to go to this crazy thing in the desert, uh, and then I got there and, and I realized it was very similar to what we were doing at home. But Christian didn't just leave it at that. So then I started researching more. I went a couple more years and I ended up connecting with some of the founders of Burning Man. And then we both had this crazy idea of like, why don't we try to connect both events and get both events to talk to each other? You know, one of them is very new and very uh, futuristic, and it happens in the desert. The other one is very traditional, happening for hundreds of years, but they kind of both share the same uh, kind of ethos. So a few years ago, we started this artist collaboration program where we bring artists from Spain from the event to come to Burning Man and create art at Burning Man, and then we bring artists from Burning Man to create art to Valencia during that event. And it's been happening for a few years and it's been kind of spreading, you know, this kind of mutual love between both events and between both cities. Now, coming here and then starting the business in San Francisco, what was the biggest thing that you were surprised by? There's like this deep network of people that are really there to help you if you really take the opportunity. So part of as a founder is the same initiative you need to take to start a company and kind of create momentum. You can also take them to just call people and ask them for advice. And that's something that took me a little bit of time to to learn. If you're new, an immigrant here, you don't know anyone, you don't feel like, oh, why am I going to talk to this famous founder or this famous VC? Like, who am I? You always kind of have that immigrant kind of feeling. But then after you try it a few times, it feels like, no, people are actually nice. And they're like, if you're honest and you have working on something interesting, I think everybody gives you the at least the benefit of a doubt or they're willing to take cup of coffee with you to give you feedback on your idea. As someone who's been hanging around the industry for quite a while, that was wonderful to hear because people come to San Francisco from all over with their ideas. And a lot of them are intimidated by this place because of all the success here. The people really are good to each other. They are helpful and open. And as a native San Franciscan, I'm so happy that that's what Christian has found too. And he should know having lived all around the world. I think so. I was, uh, you know, I went to school in New York. I also lived in Boston and lived all over Europe and a little bit in China too. And I've kind of been exposed to different cultures and different ways of people working together. And I think I was really surprised how open people are. 
to sharing your ideas. Initially, people were like, don't tell your idea because they're going to steal it or whatever. And then you realize that your ideas are really worthless unless you surround yourself with very smart people and expose yourself to a lot of feedback. People are very ready to just sit down with you and give you feedback and, and help you out. You always have to take it from like a humble standpoint and, and be be respectful with their time and prove that you're serious about what you're doing. Overall, I think it's, a, it's an amazing culture here. Christian founded Intrinsic with three other co-founders. Now, being a co-founder myself with my husband, it was our respect for each other's core competency, our values, and our shared mission and vision that kept us on the path. And I asked Christian if he felt that that was true for them, too. It is, yeah. So we have a quite unique situation in the company. So like two of our founders are also professors at university, one at uh, Stanford Computer Science and also another one that's also computer science and UCSD. The motivation to start a company came out of some early research that we all got really motivated by. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring this to reality and bring into you know everybody to to benefit from it? Sharing that passion was key, and also the personal level. You know, like I've, we've known each other for many years. One of my co-founders, we've known each other for almost ten years now. We went to school together. We did undergrad together. We're both from Europe, so that kind of allowed us to build like this core, very strong group, where we have the deep technological component and also the academic component. And then that combined with more of the industry experience and the ability to bring something that looks very good in, in the lab and the research, bring that to the industry. So core competency, you guys really complement each other. As time goes on, have you found that sometimes as the business starts to grow, there's different pressure, both hardship as well as success that causes stress? Has there been anything that's challenged the relationship between the four of you? I think there's definitely been moments because we're all very passionate about it and we have our ways to, to see how things should be done. There's never been a moment where we really felt like we were in complete disagreement. And I think we have really healthy discussions because we all come from different different backgrounds. So. When it sounds like one of the key things, aside from core competencies, you guys respect each other. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's really good. <laughs> that's really important. <laughs> so two final questions. First, if you were to tell me a story about you, that's the craziest story that you can have an option after this is over to edit out, <laughs> what would that story be? If I could go to another planet, I would probably go because I, I kind of wanted to have a, a really crazy experience. So I'd look up in the map and was like, what's, what's the craziest place in the world? And that looks probably the most different to what I'm used to probably the safest one, even though it doesn't sound very safe, but it's probably, it is very safe to visit, is North Korea, actually based in Switzerland. North Korean Friendship Association. (laughs) (laughs) So I reach out to them and they tell me, oh, there's actually uh, a way to get there. You can get a visa. There's a guy in the government there that is actually from Spain, which is actually the only member of the North Korean government who's not North Korean. (laughs) And, uh, and he was from Spain. He was from Spain. Oh, so I, they gave me his email. I reached out to him and I was like very honest, like, hey, I, for what I hear, the country sounds crazy and kind of terrible, but there's not a lot of reporting from inside. So I would like to develop my own idea of the place and, and see it and, you know, not strictly believe every single word that's written about the country in the media. So I would like to have my own idea and go there. And that's always, always something that I try to do in my life. It's like before believing the stories that people tell me, try to gather evidence from both sides and develop my own impression. I've never been to North Korea, so I asked him 
What was it like? Very gray. There's uh, this smell of chemicals in the air that's never smelled before. And then you go to the airport and they, one thing you, they have to do when you land there is you have to inspect all your belongings and they take any device that could connect to the outside world. So they took my phone and my iPad and they allowed my camera and my computer because they couldn't really connect to anything with them. And I do have a locker in the airport and you leave everything in the locker. And then they took me to an hotel and it was always guarded by Secret Service. So you don't have full freedom to visit as you please. It was a little overwhelming experience at the end, to be honest, because there was like mind control all the time. You're not allowed to do anything without asking permission. And they always try to brainwash you with like, here's where the leader did this. And the dealer, everything is about the leader. And there's only two TV channels that all they do is show movies about wars and how great the leader is. Were you glad you got back to the United States of America? It was really interesting. I mean, of course I was, I'm really glad I'm here. It's really interesting how the mind works, because like once you're like more than 10 days being mind control all the day, your brain kind of gets used to it. And when we landed back in China, I got really, really overwhelmed because suddenly I had to think again. The people I talked to, I mean, they're under a lot of surveillance and, you know, a lot of people were seemed very happy and mm -hmm. they were kind of coming to me and bragging about how great their country was. They were told I was there because I wanted to visit heaven and I wanted to visit how great they are. So they were very proud that people come. So for people listening, especially young people listening who have a yen to build or to grow or to create something, uh, what is your advice to them? Try to learn as much as possible of what you really want to build and then try to reach out for for advice and surround yourself with smarter people than you, if possible. Surround yourself with smarter people. That's a good one. And also what you said before about trying things. And if you fail, that that's okay. Yeah. Because some things you fail at and some things you don't. But to keep going at it, because when you're old, you won't look back and say, oh, I wish I had tried that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the program, and we wish you the best. Thank you so much for having me. That was Christian Almanar, CEO and co-founder of Intrinsic, an application security startup recently acquired by VMware. Since 2015, their goal has been to help organizations change how they approach security by teaching them to prevent attacks instead of chasing after them. Join us next time on Think Like a Founder when I sit down with Chris Hee, co-founder and CTO of Bravado. We'll talk about flying cars, elevator push-ups, and how he was built for chaos. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. Thanks for listening. Think Like a Founder is produced by SNP Communications in San Francisco, California. Learn more by visiting us at snpnet.com or connect with me, Maureen Taylor, on LinkedIn to continue the conversation there. Series producer is Roisin Hunt. Sound design by Mark Ream. Creative producer, Eli Schell. Content and scripting by Mike Sullivan. Production coordination, Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena, Persiani Shell, John Hughes, and Ren Vara. This is Think Like a Founder. <laughs>